you creeps. Time for another episode of the show, and this is going to be a good one. Welcoming a new guest in here, Shag from the Fire and Water Network, and his uh, own new show, Once Upon a Geek, has joined me. We're going to talk about one of his favorites, and uh, one of my new favorites as well, Adventure Comics 431, which is the uh, first Bronze Age appearance, I believe, of the Spectre, and the first uh, of the issues of the Fleischer and Apparel run crazy crazy comic that he and i both love and we spend a good bit of time talking about it plus his new show so definitely stay tuned after the break and we'll get right into the conversation to see me again, did you, Flynn? Your dad. We killed him. Killed me? All because you got cut out of a job that was worth my life. Who are you? I am vengeance. I am the Spectre. This is impossible! In the land beyond the living, all things are possible. Everybody, welcome back to the Bronze Age of Horror Comics. Uh, and in this episode, I have a guest with me here that uh, you might not associate with the horror genre necessarily, because uh, he's more of a uh, a podcaster that uh, talks a ton of superheroes. But he is a fan of the horrors as well, believe it or not. So, uh, welcome, uh, Shag from the Fire and Water Network. How you doing, buddy? I'm really good. Thanks for having me on the show. Now, to be fair, this one's a bit of a crossover. I mean, so there's a long superhero history with this character. So there's a little bit of four-color superhero crossover kind of business going with horror. This is true. This is true. And, uh, you know, you have talked to horror comics before. I'm, You know, you were on uh, Midnight the Podcasting Hour, and that's kind of where I uh, uh, slightly stole the idea of uh, asking you to be on (laughs) to talk about this. And, hey, I I will uh, say on air, I think I already have at least once that – uh, Ryan Daly uh, signed off on this show, even though it's going to, you know, uh, cover some of the same material he uh, covered. But, you know, uh, there's nobody covered a lot of this stuff out here right now. And I think he did a really good job. And I'm going to go further uh, down the road to uh, with some of these books. So I definitely feel like, you know, the Spectre uh, is somebody that needs some love. I mean, do you agree? Oh, absolutely. He's a fantastic character. I mean, his history, it goes back to what? The, the early 40s, right? So it goes mm-hmm. back as far there. And even then, he was borderline superhero, borderline supernatural, whatever. But by the time we're, we're, we're about to cover, he was firmly in the camp of horror comics. And it, quite frankly, is some of my favorites. So he absolutely deserves the love. I don't know that like he'd be able to appreciate it personally. I, I don't know that Jim Corrigan would get in on the, the huggy feely kind of thing we're going to get into here. But mm-hmm. uh, as fans, it deserves to be cheered. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, like you said, very old character, Jerry Siegel and Bernard Bailey. Like that's, uh, yeah, 1940. More fun comics, 52. So yeah. (laughs) More fun comics. So many great characters came out of that book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of weird because uh, these comics were actually the first time I had ever uh, seen the Spectre. And then, of course, you know, a few years ago, I started uh, buying and uh, 
going nuts over All Star Squadron, which you know you mm-hmm. you have you have a love for Earth Two as well. And absolutely, he's in, he's in that. The character is much different in that than he is in this book for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a more traditional superhero. Now we keep saying these comics. Have we said what we're covering yet today? Yeah, why don't we do that? So <laughs> Adventure Comics 431 from uh, 1974 cover date. And yeah, this is it's only about what? Maybe it's a 10 issue run, I think. Um, uh, here. It, I can I can get an exact count if you vamp for a second. Yeah, I believe it is 10 issues uh, and it's great stuff. It's been reprinted a couple of times. Only part of it, like maybe half of it is on the uh, DC Infinite app right now. But yeah, great, great stuff. And Michael Fleischer and Jim Aparo are the yeah. creators here. So it's it's 10 issues in Adventure Comics, and then in The Wrath of Spectre, which reprinted these, they finished up, I want to say, two stories that didn't make it, that didn't get, you know, that were put together but never finished. And so uh, it's 10 stories here, but then you get a few extra if you got The Wrath of Spectre story uh, collection. Yes, which I do not, unfortunately, because by the time I found out about it, it was way, it's like, you know, getting a little pricey. So, uh, yeah, so there's the Wrath of Spectre initial, they were in issues, and then it was in trade paperback form. So you have two options there. Yeah, maybe I could find the singles at a decent clip, but the trade I saw, I was like, yep, nope, not happening. Yeah, yeah, a little (laughs) ridiculous there with pricing. Absolutely. So this was your first introduction to the Spectre? That's amazing. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? (laughs) Now. I was a very, uh, probably my first, well, basically my first 20 years of collecting was strictly Marvel. I was a Marvel guy. Yeah. So it took me a while to get on board with some DC. And of course, right away, I gravitated to the superhero side of DC. So, you know, this came in a little bit later. So, but yeah, this was it. This was Adventure Comics. Probably not this issue, but one of the issues in this run was my first uh, Spectre uh, uh, issue. What a great place to land. I mean, just as far as I'm concerned, these are the peak Spectre stories. And I think a lot of people would agree with me that the Spectre, well, the Ostringer Mandrake stuff is phenomenal. Even that was just building on this. I mean, this is peak amazing Spectre as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, and thanks for asking, uh, for me, I'm one of my first exposure to Spectre was probably (laughs) would have been Crisis on Infinite Earth and All-Star Squadron, quite frankly. Uh, Mm. And then like the Millennium crossovers and stuff like that. And it didn't, I didn't have any love for him. But I didn't have any hatred for him. He just didn't make a lot of impression on me at that point. Then around 1990, um, I decided I was going to be the world's biggest Aquaman fan. Uh, little did I know I'd be the world's second. <laughs> anyway, um, and, and you may know or may not know, Aquaman's been in all kinds of anthology series over the years. A lot of them were in adventure comics. Basically, whenever he had his own title going or he'd be in some of their anthology, and whenever those ended and he got kicked out, he'd come crawling back to adventure comics like some ex-girlfriend and they'd take him back. Mm-hmm. So um, Aquaman actually shares a few issues of this run with the Spectre. Mm-hmm. So when I was buying all these Aquaman comics, I got a couple of the Fleischer Aparo uh, issues because Spectre and Aquaman are together. And I read those and it blew my mind. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. It's so good because I'd already liked Aparo as an artist. So just to read those stories and, you know, the the horror, the retribution, the murder, all this stuff, I loved it. So I immediately went and got all of these issues. I bought like the 19. I, I went all in on Spectre right at that point. Like I bought the 1970 Secret Origin stuff. I got that Wrath of Spectre series I talked about. Um, mm-hmm. So really, if I think about it, this issue we're covering today, 431, I have bought this issue three times now. <laughs> I bought the original. Uh, I bought the Wrath of Spectre miniseries uh, reprint. And then I have the Showcase Presents uh, as well. So I'm like, oh. I, I keep buying this thing, but it's worth it. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Now, did you ever read the Ostrander Mandrake Spectre series? I have not. I do have a few issues of, was there a series that came out before that? Is it Doug Mensch and some Gene Colan in the beginning and then yeah. somebody else took over? Went, oh, uh, wow. I'm, I know I'm going to be wrong. Went like 15, 18 issues. That's probably way wrong. Probably went in the 30s or something. But yeah, definitely uh, that run. Yes. Kaluta did the covers. Yeah, I think it mm-hmm. Yes, I have a couple of those. And then I also have, I think, two issues of uh, the series that came out before this one. Uh, was it late 60s there? Yeah, yeah, it's just called yes. the Spectre. Yeah, they're insane. Like, I, you would think Haney wrote those or something, but it's, <laughs> a lot of it's, yeah, a lot of it's Gardner Fox I, I saw, and I'm like, wow, he, he wrote some wild stuff. Well, and Neil Adams drew some of those, too. Yeah, I think he might have even written an issue, but yeah, oh, good wow. stuff. Okay. Yeah, so, good stuff. So the Ostringer Mandrake series, it really does feel like the spiritual, pun intended, spiritual successor <laughs> to the Adventure Comics run. It feels yeah. like they sat there and said, okay, what was the best parts of that? Let's take it from there and go in a whole new direction. 
that Spectre series was dark. It was intense. It was great. Um, I it, the first issue when it came out, they 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 published a um, a glow in the dark poster for mm. it, and I kept that thing on my wall in college for years. Um, you can tell I was a player, obviously. I was just going to say, on. I bet that turned on the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Turn off the lights and uh, Jim Corrigan's watching us, baby. So. <laughs> but um, since then, I haven't, I, I know the Spectre's been out there. I, I drop in on stuff like, you know, there was the Hal Jordan series by J.M. DiMatteis, which was mm. a very different take. It was interesting, though. And then Christmas Allen and all that kinds of stuff. But for me, peak Spectre will always be this adventure comics run. Mm, yeah, for sure. I, you know what? Now that I'm like going back into the uh, medulla oblongata of my brain, here, I think <laughs> I think I may have bought those two issues or three issues that I have from that 67, 68, 69 series first, and then these adventure comics. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. And they're incredibly expensive too. Now, if you look on Feebay or wherever else, they're, they're crazy. People like $10 an issue. It's like, get out of yeah. here. Yeah, there's no way. But it's good stuff. I like it because it's crazy. But this stuff, there was a real focus to this. It wasn't just, you know, one-offs and random stories. There was there was a real focus on this book. And is it ever violent? Like, I just mm -hmm. I think, man, 1973? I, I don't know if there was a, a mainstream comic this violent in 1973. Well, it's it's interesting. So the, the, the legend is that um, Joe Orlando, who was the editor, the legend mm -hmm. goes that he was mugged in real life. Mm -hmm. And decided that afterwards he wanted to work through those issues in the comic book form. Basically have a superhero that just brutally brings vengeance down on criminals, right? Now, mm -hmm. is that true? Who knows? But it sure makes a great story. So we're just going to say it's true. <laughs> yeah. um, and so you know, then he brings in Fleischer and Aparo. And that's sure as heck what this story is. I mean, these comics are. Because the villains are never superheroes. They are regular people that have committed mm -hmm. some sort of, you know, heinous crime well sometimes it's not quite so heinous but mostly is usually it's pretty heinous crime and the specter just brutally uh murders them and it's like this huge catharsis for the reader really it's it's a revenge <laughs> story i mean because like there's never it's not a mystery i mean there's never a question of who the bad guy is they tell you up front it's just a i know who the bad guy is and i'm just waiting to see how specter kills him i mean it, it's really what these are and i'm okay mm -hmm. with that i'm here for that <laughs> Yeah, this this book and this you know ten issue run it checks all the boxes for me. It's fantastic, moody, great artwork. Apparel's my favorite DC artist. Um, mm. He, I just I just love him. He he reminds me like to me he's like the counterpart of Gene Colan at Marvel. Very okay. moody, like I oh I love his work. It's just it, it's great to me for you know horror comics and supernatural stuff. Fantastic, and then I just you know like you said. It, it's not like a sadist or something here, but I just love how <laughs> how he deal, deals out the punishment to these crooks. And then I love how Fleischer uh, and, and Roy Thomas was good at this, too. They're good at dialogue for like meathead criminals. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I just, just chuckle every time I see some of the stuff. It's fantastic. I absolutely love it. Now, before we dive into the issue, I got to ask you. So what is it about the Spectre that you like? So the visual, first and foremost, I mm -hmm. love. I, yeah. I love that that chalk white and the green gloves and the green cape and hood. I love the visual for him. It's just incredible. I love it. And I do love how, and this is tricky because when you, I, I don't know that I'd ever want to write a Spectre story because how do you ever challenge that character? Unless you write stories like this where he just runs around killing people all the time. Okay, cool. Like A lot of people probably could write those stories, but how do you ever write a story where, there's someone else that challenges him when he has these godlike powers. That would be very, very tough to write. Sort of interesting. That was almost the uh, the, the the challenge to Ostringer when he took on writing the Spectre series. Mm -hmm. Everyone told him, you can't do it. You can't make an ongoing series about an omnipotent character interesting. There's nothing, there's no challenge for him. And so he took that as like, oh yeah, you want to bet? And so that's part of the reason the Spectre series is so interesting is that he took that challenge and ran with it and found a way to challenge a character that's, you know, this this way. Now, sometimes the challenges come from within, struggles with Corrigan, you know, different things like that. But it was just sort of interesting that you hit on a note that became a big reason for that other series. Yeah, which that's great. And like I said, I don't know. I mean, some writers want to be challenged, so I guess that's cool. But I'd be like, yeah, no, I don't want to try that. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I'd make a, a an anti-specter and he'd have a, a yellow gloves and a yellow cape. And they'd oh, fight. my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, you're talking but, about the costume like it shouldn't work. 
But under the right, and you know, and if you go back and look at some of those '60s issues, it doesn't. But when you put it in someone like Aparo's hand or Mandrake's hand, it mm-hmm. does work. I mean, the the white skin and and the and the trunks and the gloves, sure, whatever. But it's it's all about that cape and the and the hood. And it's interesting, but the buttoned collar, like that big, you know, um, I don't know, wing wing fly, whatever you call those things. It's just a collar, the the giant collar, mm-hmm. and, and the button. I don't know something about it in the shadowy hood and the eyes just makes it work, man. With the white skin, it just looks so damn good in the right hands. Oh yeah, fantastic! And again, certain artists and writers were just a a perfect match for certain characters. And to me, Apparel, he was a perfect uh, artist for this character. Absolutely perfect. He, oh, I don't yeah. know. I mean, yeah, there were some other guys who did some good stuff too. Not to uh, poo poo them, but to me, <laughs> like you said, Apparel. And this run especially is is the pinnacle. Yeah, and for me, like why I like the Spectre, and again, thanks for asking. Um, I don't really care about the superhero side of Spectre. You know, I mean, I I, I say mm-hmm. that I say that out of one side of my mouth. The other, I shouldn't because you know I'm also a massive JSA fan, right? But like my favorite uh-huh. JSA stories is when the Spectre's not around because <laughs> because it's, like, <laughs> it's like let's go fight. I don't know, Captain Axis. Okay, Spectre disintegrate him please you know it just doesn't work so but i, I don't right. the superhero side of specter doesn't do much for me it's it's the it's the vengeance it's the justice that's the stuff i like i've already kind of said that but like and i like corrigan and i like it when it gets real angsty with corrigan we don't get much in this particular issue but a lot of the issues there's a lot of angst with corrigan dealing with like oh you know what have i become i'm a murderer now you know because i'm taking out retribution on these people things like that um so yeah i, I just love that those aspects of them so, all right, well, let's dive into this. So first, let's let's talk about the cover here. What do you think of this cover? This is a really good cover, and it's it, there's no bait and switch here. This actually does happen in the, <laughs> uh, the issue as well. And this is a really crazy, striking cover. And again, you know, the comics code was starting to loosen up in the early 70s, but still a pretty wild cover here. Yeah, I'm surprised they got away with this on the cover because, you know, uh, they were very careful in the issues how they approached the comics code. Like a lot of the gruesome murder stuff they would be very careful how they show it. They might pan away. You might mm-hmm. see something in silhouette. You may not see it as clear. Like you have a clear memory of something happening, but you know what? When you look on the page, oh, they obscured it. I didn't notice that or whatever. But here, that dude is melting. He is melting like a candle. And that is pretty <laughs> gruesome. And I'm shocked that they got away with this because, you know, EC got in all the trouble for what they were doing, obviously. And that's part of the reason the comics code was created to, to screw them over. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, regardless of the horror aspect of it, it's a gorgeous cover. Like, mm. the Spectre looks phenomenal. Aparo does such a great job with shadows. He does such a great job with movement. Like, that cape is moving. It's flowing. He's mm. clearly pulling it up. The hand is reaching forward. The guy in the foreground, the, the drip, you can see the dripping, the dripping oh. coming off his hands. It's just Gross. gruesome. <laughs> it, it, if I had anything negative to say about the cover, and and I it's not even negative. I understand why this happens from a sales point of view. But like the top quarter of the cover is just the Adventure Comics logo, <laughs> and the whole reason that's there is because when a comic's on the spinner rack, you want the kid to see the name of the comic, right? Pop when there's up, another, yeah, yeah. When there's another comic stacked in front of it, you want him to see the comic he knows. So that's why it's there. But it, it, you know, I'd rather see a full page of Paro art, right? Honestly, because it's so damn good. Mm. What do you What do you think about it? Oh, it's incredible. It's it's uh, I don't want to say it's minimalist, but it's it's really just the, the specter, this guy that's getting melted. And uh, I love the smoking gun laying. Down oh, yeah. Yeah. Around too, as if he's fired off an entire clip at the specter and it did no good. And he's basically laughing at him, which that does happen in the issue as well. And I love that. It's just it's very like the guy looks like he's literally even if you just look at the guy's face without looking at his hands, you could see the terror on his face and it would be, you know, appropriate with the specter coming at him like that even if he wasn't being melted yeah i I wonder what someone who because i mean most most people reading comics back then were were the younger kids but i wonder someone Mm -hmm. who was a little bit older let's say a teenager or something that might remember the 60s specter series or might remember him as part of the jsa or something i wonder how they react to this like whoa what's going on i mean you know how how violent is this for the hero that they they knew i wonder yeah, because that it, some of the covers were very striking on that series, but you know maybe even borderline horror. But none of them ever came close to this, and of course the interiors didn't either. They were you know a little more striking on the cover than you know what you saw on the inside. At least the few issues I've read. But yeah, uh, yeah, it would be interesting because he he figured he, he sat on the shelf for a while after the Golden Age, like twenty years I think it was before he came back out and like what showcase or something like that I think. 
Uh, well, he, he probably, I mean, my memory's a little fuzzy. I imagine he probably came back in a JLA, JSA crossover first. But yeah, his first chance at a solo one, I think, was in Showcase. Yeah. And then from Showcase, you know, actually, I can look at my Showcase Presents. It's all right here. Uh, yeah, Showcase number 60. Mm-hmm. He had, uh, looks like he had three issues of Showcase, a few Brave and the Bold, and then he got that Spectre series in 67 that ran for 10 issues. Uh, and then from, yeah, from 69 to 74, he d- didn't really feature anywhere. So, wow. uh, yeah. Now, again, he might have popped up in a crossover somewhere, but he didn't feature as the main character. So, yeah, he was he was on the shelf for a while there. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, but again, this this comic to me is so good. This would be something like if there was a trade out there right now sitting on shelves in you know comic book stores or, you know, where, wherever Amazon, something like that. You know, I think you feel the same way I do. I would have no problem recommending this to anybody and everybody that would listen to me. Yeah. I mean, other than the lack of cell phones, it doesn't even feel that dated. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And that's something, too. It almost reminds me when I read these of uh, the uh, Bruce Tim like Batman mm. television series from the mm-hmm. early 90s. It has like a timeless feel to it where there's cars and stuff like that. And, you know, they're Tommy guns. So you think it's like, you know, gangsters in the 20s and 30s. But then there's computers and stuff like it. It, it feels very timeless that you could it, it could be any time. Yeah, it's a great observation. It really is. So, all right. Well, since I've uh, gotten lazier and lazier here uh, with podcasting, I'm just going to read a quick, <laughs> a quick little two sentence synopsis from uh, comics.org here, and then we're going to dive right into it. Uh, are you ready? Do it. All right, brother. So Jim Corrigan arrives on the scene of a crime in which an armored car has been held up and the guard shot to death. When he learns that even a member of the gang was shot to death by his own men, it is the specter who decides to track down the gang members one by one and exact justice. So that that's that that's that really is like the you know fortune cookie uh, uh, synopsis for the story here. That's basically what happens. But okay, you know, there's twelve issue or I'm sorry, twelve pages to unpack here. So again, the first thing I noticed, you open this comic book up. This insanely, I, I just can't even believe. Somebody, you know, took a pencil and ink and drew this splash page. It is incredible. But I will say, I did think to myself, would this splash page have been a better cover? And then maybe the cover be this uh, on the inside front page here? Would that have been? I don't know. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. I mean, the cover. Well, you know, hmm. All right. You got me of of two minds. (laughs) In one regard, seeing the specter in the sky threatening a plane with the wrath of the specter on there is Mm -hmm. pretty amazing. That is pretty cool. However, you know, it could imply danger to regular people on the plane. You know, the the Johnny and Jane who are going off on their oh, honeymoon to fly, you yeah. know, that endangers them. Whereas on the cover, we're seeing the retribution towards the bad guy. I will also say, I feel like on the cover, I feel like Aparo spent a little more time on some of the details and the, and the scratching on the cape shadows and stuff like that. I feel like there was a little more detail given on the cover, which, which works a little better. So I'm going to stick with the cover, but I love this as a splash page. Yeah, and I mean, the Spectre, he's in the background, and he's jacked like he's been on the Peloton quite a bit here. He's like, <laughs> he's got like a 10-pack, and his, his you know, shoulders are all jacked up. So he's he's uh, looking huge, like, what is he, about three times the size of a 747 here, or twice at least. Uh, oh, got to be more than that. <laughs> he's got to be like four times his, you know, if you look at a 747 in length, he's got to be a lot more than that, yeah. Yeah, and he's, you know, uh, there's a little, you know, the, the the narrator here, the omniscient narrator here is talking to us about Jim Corrigan and all this and the wrath of the specter, like you said, looks fantastic. And <laughs> we get uh, a little bit of dialogue here from one of the uh, the crooks inside, and he says, ha ha, me and the boy stole a million bucks from that armored car and made monkeys out of the cops in the bargain. There's not a chance they could catch me now. <laughs> So, uh, again, I love it. I just hear this voice inside my head of these, like, you know, old gangster movies when they're oh, yeah. doing the dialogue for these. But, yeah, so let's jump in here. So, well, yeah, you, you, hold on. You, let's not leave this page yet because oh, I, want to talk, I want to talk about the credits because the oh, okay. credits here yes. are on the page, right? Script Michael Fleischer, uh, editor Joe Orlando. Jim Aparo has signed the splash page with his own name. Mm-hmm. Then you get, but interestingly, in the credits, Aparo is not credited. In start, instead, you get art continuity by Russell Carley, which mm-hmm. is which is very unusual. Now, have you heard about this about this situation? 
You know, I have, but my memory is that of a geriatric. So please enlighten me. I <laughs> well, I, I, I don't have a lot to share here. Just it's, it's an interesting thing. Apparently, Russell Carley, and, and if I have some of this wrong, I apologize, folks. He was a partner uh, of Michael Fleischer's, and he would assist on plots and breakdowns. So uh, you, when you and that's where the art continuity thing would be, where mm. he's helping do the breakdowns, which, you know, to us sitting here. Oh my gosh, this is what, 74? So almost 50 years later, holy crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, 50 years later, we're sitting here being like, how dare someone do the breakdowns for Jim Aparo? Are you crazy? <laughs> you know. But I, as we go through this, I, I've got some stuff to say about it. So keep in mind, you've got another hand in the art possibly doing the breakdowns as we go through it. So there's just something worth noting. And, it, I, and again, I did think it was weird that Aparo didn't get his name in the credits, even though he did sign the, the splash page. Yeah, that is a little strange to me. So I don't know. Did he, you know, turn in the artwork and he had already signed it? So they were like, ah, screw him. Let's put the credits. On there. <laughs> but I'm I mean, not sure. Yeah. And he's usually the letterer, though, as well. He did a lot of his own lettering. So did he letter the credits there and then just signed it? And was like, eh, who cares? I don't know. Oh, maybe that's why. OK, that would make a lot of sense if he did the lettering because there is no letter accredited. That could be the case. Yeah, and I know he, for like a, for quite a while, I think, in like Brave and the Bold and uh, oh, the series that came after it. Uh, Batman and the Outsiders. Think. Yeah, I think he did lettering in a lot of those, didn't he? Um, that I don't know. I would have to ask my good buddy Tim Price on that one. Mm, yes, he would know. He's the he's the Batman and the Outsiders expert, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. All right, so what happens here? Now, we switch the page here, and we see, uh, you know, a crazy... Uh, armored car blasting down the street and uh, the, the crooks are here with their pretty high-tech expensive weapons i'm not sure where these guys got these from flamethrowers man and, and uh grenade fire grenades too yeah it's kind well, of I'm wild. Sorry, not flamethrowers. i'm sorry fire grenades and then machine guns sorry about that yeah, yeah yeah and it's like okay like these aren't garden variety crooks because they they're not going to afford that there's no way <laughs> it's not happening but yeah they blast the armored truck here and it, it basically catches a armored truck on fire and it starts a fire and there's smoke so you know the, all our the, the guards get out and the driver and they gun these guys down right here on this very first page well sorry second page i guess after the splash four guys dead boom just like that and they're surrendering i mean they're saying we give up we give up and and then the other crooks even yelling the guy you know, there's no reason to kill those guys they were surrendering and he's like ah they're just like cops who cares yeah brutal i mean just demonstrating the savagery and brutalness of these guys, which is another reason why we don't mind seeing Fritz die at the end. Yeah, Fritz is really the guy, like, uh, there's four guys, and all four of them are obviously, you know, crooks and, you know, need to be in prison. Well, they get a they get something better than prison, but hold on, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's shooting these guys down like they're nothing. Well, they start grabbing the money, and I guess they got off a call to the cops before, you know, they uh, got shot down, these uh, armored car guys. So here comes a cop, and he actually gets a couple of shots off and hits one of the guys, <laughs> Pete. Poor and, Pete. Yeah, and, and instead of, like, saying, oh, hey, Pete, jump in the car here, and we'll get you to safety, <laughs> Fritz blasts him and shoots his own, you know, buddy here. Which is horrible. Again, Crazy. another demonstration why Fritz is the worst. Later on, his, he gives his reasons. He says, hey, you know, now uh, Pete won't rat us out and it's more money for us to split. That's freaking <laughs> awful. Yeah, I was like, wow, this guy's a real nut. Now, before we mm. leave this page, I got to say, one of the panels, it took me a while to figure out the perspective on this, but I absolutely love it. So if, if you look back first on page two, yeah, you, you mm-hmm. see the armored car coming down a steep hill, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Remember that. Fast forward to page three, uh, the second panel shows the cops where they're shooting and they, you know, they nick Pete, right? But mm-hmm. that cop, it's like, I, I couldn't figure out the angle for a while. Then I realized, oh, here's the co- some of the continuity, is that cop car is also coming down that steep hill. It's just a really neat shot from mm-hmm. the vantage view of, the, like, you're hanging off the side of the cop car, and you're looking way downhill, and the cop's, like, hanging out of the car, just like, bam, 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 you know, rat-a-tat, rat-a-tat, shooting at the criminals. It just looks great. Yeah, it's a real it's a really good perspective shot, even though it's only one panel out of what three, five, six panels, but it's still a really good shot. Yeah, so that's a good one there to point out. So also notice, and this is where that art continuity stuff comes in, and I'm going to bring this up as we go on throughout. So you're going to hear this a few times. So I apologize in advance. The the especially on these two pages, all the art is really tightly packed together. All the panels are pretty much square, rectangle. It's very, very packed. The first page, you get seven panels. Here you get, uh, what, six panels. A mm-hmm. lot of content. And, and I bring this up because as we go along, one of two things either happen. Either uh, this guy, uh, I lost his name already, the Russell Colley, or no, um, 
Russell Carly. Russell Carly, yep. yeah. So either he loosened up and let Aparo do his own layouts after a while, or he very purposely made everything tight in the beginning and 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 gives more space as it goes on. Because as we go along, the art here is going to expand. The panels are going to get bigger. The panel design is going to get more dynamic. It's going to look more like the signature Aparo style. Right, right mm -hmm. now, within the art within each panel is gorgeous, but the layout's not impressive. The layout's not that interesting. And that's one thing Aparo is known for, of course, is his amazing layouts. So it's just interesting. Watch the progression. And again, I don't know whether that's Carly doing it as he goes or Aparo just said, screw your breakdowns, buddy. I'm doing what I want. I don't know which one. <laughs> yeah, and I will say, too, I love cars in comics. They, they, don't, <laughs> they, they don't even have to be super detailed, but I love cars in comics. And Aparo does great here, you know, or Carly and Aparo, I guess I should say, with the, you know, they're just part of the police car and the, the getaway car for the crooks and the armored truck. I love seeing cars drawn in yeah. comics. It's it's really cool, you, you especially from this era. Um, there's, but there's there's so much that's good here. Oh my god! Like I'm actually uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm looking at the original comic on one side, and I'm looking mm -hmm. at my black and white showcase presents on the other side. I like mm -hmm. looking at the black and white just so yep. I can see the art. Like I, I didn't even realize when I read it in color how much cross hatching uh, Aparo has put in here for shadows and and darker spots and different. And it's just amazing how much effort he put into this one issue. There's so much art in here. He just he really really knocked this out of the park. Yeah. So yeah, go cross hatching. Yeah. Wow. You go to page four there. There's a bunch in the top yep. panel on page four there, and then the middle panel. It's like, wow, yeah, he. It's oh, yeah. So Corgan shows up. He's he's here to investigate in, in one of the. Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I guess it's not one of them. It's Pete, uh, the guy that got blasted by his own buddy Fritz. There had a a business card in his uh, pocket. So that's a pretty interesting way of doing this. I mean, I, I was wondering how. You know, I'm thinking, man, 12 pages. You really got to get from point A to point B fairly, <laughs> fairly quick here. So he had a. Uh, a business card in his pocket for an antique store. And I guess that's kind of a front for uh, one or all three of these uh, goons here. So we get a shot of them back at the antique store here. And you get Fritz. I mean, look at that, look at that bottom shot of Fritz. Uh, the guy who's, you know, the, the head of the gang and who's also the murderer, just the, that gr weird smile, half smile on his face, smirk with a cigarette hanging out and his face just looks all craggy. I mean, he looks mm -hmm. like a, a dude that's seen some stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. He looks like he's probably been in and out of prison since he's like 17. For sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, he's the other two guys are like, man, why'd you, you know, why'd you kill the guys, you know, the, the armored car guys? And why'd you kill Pete? And he's like, pipe down, finish counting the money. And that's what he says about, you know, that eh, means more money for us anyway. Who cares about Pete? I'm like, geez, mm -hmm. <laughs> time to get out of this gang. Cause you know, it's like, <laughs> if you're, if you're one of those other guys, what are you thinking? The next time they go out on a heist, what's going to happen? It's like, oh, I got shot in the leg. Well, a cop shot you in the leg. So I'm going to put a bullet in your head. Cause you know, we don't have to, carry the dead weight it's like yeah i don't want to go anymore with that guy yeah exactly oh my gosh but yeah page five then you know oh, it's more, wait one more oh. thing i do i do want to say i like how fritz says i you know you guys go back to work like nothing's changed you go back to your car auto mechanic shop you run your antique place i'm gonna go to south america and just chill out on a vacation <laughs> that's his oh plan. yeah he tells them to go back to work well he's just gonna go lay low uh somewhere else which is nice yeah, he's going to lay low till the heat dies down. And at some point, he says he's going to get on a plane and go to South America and hang out with some senioritas, it says. So, right, yeah. right. <laughs> what, but, what a team player, this guy. <laughs> yeah, you guys keep working and stay in the same city where we just shot a bunch of people, and I'm getting out of here. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, sure, mm -hmm. buddy. Sure, buddy. But they're kind of afraid of him, too, I think. So, yeah. you know, I think that's part of it. But, yeah, he's, he's going to take off. But then Corrigan shows up. And, you know, again, here we are, page five. Corrigan shows up and here we go right away. It's action. There's there's very little downtime in this. It's action, action, action. And he confronts uh, our buddy here and the guy tries to pull a gun on him. And what do you think of that scene? That's pretty good, too. Oh, well, first, of all, I think it's kind of funny because Corrigan shows up and he, he flashes the badge immediately and, mm -hmm. and basically says, I, you know, not these words, but he says, I know you pulled the armor car heist and I wanted to who helped you. And that's when the gun gets pulled. So, I mean, Corgan's not pulling any punches. He's not screwing around with you. He's not soft playing this at all. He's just like, you're guilty, dude. And the guy, of course, you know, pulls out the gun and just uh, pulls out the heater, you know, and blasts him several times. <laughs> and it goes right through Corgan because he's a ghost. And the guy, I love Aparo because the guy's terrified now, right? Because mm -hmm. he's just shot at Corgan and he just vanishes, right? The guy mm -hmm. is sweating bullets. I mean, the top right hand panel on page six, he is terrified. You see that. On the face that Aparo has done here, the guy just looks mortified. And it's great. And he runs. He flees. And it's a, it's a great little moment. Yeah, I love his dialogue, too, there when he's uh, sweating. 
I didn't know what's going on here, but I ain't staying around here to mess with no spook. <laughs> <laughs> and then he takes off and jumps in the car and he's going and going. He jumps into something, uh, you know, us older folks know as a phone booth. You know, you, you younger, <laughs> you, you, younger, younger folks think it's a, you younger folks think that's a time machine for Bill and Ted. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's a phone booth. They there's still every once in a blue moon I still see one somewhere. It's it's they're they're getting harder and harder to find, but they're still out there. But uh yeah, it's a phone booth and he calls his buddy uh and uh he says, I tell you, this guy, I shot him. He ain't human, he's some kind of spook. And the guy says, Oh, come on, Charlie, you've been hitting the bottle again. <laughs> I love that he thinks he's drunk. <laughs> right, right. That's a real friend right there. Mm, that's fantastic. And, and he thinks his lucky rabbit's foot is going to keep uh, all the ghosts away. He thinks he's going to be just, he's just, he's, he's humoring him. He's like, okay, Charlie, sure, sure. Whatever. Thanks for the warning. You know? Yeah. And that was the only thing in this entire comic. I questioned uh, when he says about it, he says my lucky rabbit's foots. Plural. Oh, rabbits apostrophe S foots apostrophe S guaranteed to scare the pants off of every spook within 50 miles. Ha ha ha. Well, okay. So if you're thinking possessive, it the, the it is called a rabbit's foot. So it is plural. So it's it the rabbit it's possessive, the rabbit's foot, but then he's saying my rabbit's foot's gonna guarantee so I okay. Um <laughs> I don't teach English for a living, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I but just I, thought, was he trying to make him sound like uneducated by saying foots? Uh, I mean, I thought that maybe that was what apparel was doing there. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I, I, anyway, it, we're spending too much time on that. Instead, let's talk <laughs> about the panel design on this page. Mm. This is where I suspect Aparo deviated from Carly's layouts, because this looks yeah. like classic apart. I mean, you've got the first panel's got a split like lightning bolt through it because there's a phone conversation going on there. The panel where Spectre is huge is like almost a, a side, you know, an angled hourglass kind of shape. Mm. I mean, there's some cool, cool panel design going on here. Very, and again, maybe it's intentional. Maybe they started it with very tight panels so that you feel the story get more expansive. I'm not sure, but it really plays well with the tighter to looser uh, transition. Yeah, page seven, like you said, that's a huge departure from what we saw so far in the first six pages. Huge departure. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And the Spectre, like you said, he's grown a giant size, and he's reaching out at a, uh, the, the thug's car here and makes him swerve down another road. And the guy says, turn off onto this road, and <laughs> you turn the page. And it's like a dead end with a huge drop off. Right, right. <laughs> it's a great profile shot of the car just going off the cliff. <laughs> yeah, and the Spectre's just kind of floating in the air there, kind of watching the car as it goes off the cliff and then just turns around and smash. There it is in flames, it, blown up. And he, it, and the Spectre purposely like tw twists himself around to continue mm -hmm. to watch the car explode. So he's, uh, he's into it, man. Yeah, I'm thinking he's just, you know, there's no dialogue there, but in my head, he's like, there he goes. And it's over. <laughs> well, in some of the interviews I had read, uh, I want to say maybe it was in the Wrath of Spectre. I don't remember. Maybe it was Pack Back Issue Magazine. I don't know. Either way, like the editor um, and, my, and Michael Fleischer and Joey Orlando both acknowledged that the Spectre enjoys this revenge. Not like in mm -hmm. a sadistic way, but he enjoys taking out justice. So, I mean, I think that's an example here where you're watching. He's, he's just casually watching. He's like, okay, this is like almost entertainment for him. Mm hmm. Yeah. And again, no, no time to waste here. So right to the next day. And we see, you know, uh, Charlie's buddy that thought he was drunk sitting there reading the newspaper about how his buddy's dead. And then uh, I like the uh, poster on the wall behind him. There it is. Yes. Uh, it's a Bernie Wright's and Swamp Thing poster. That's amazing. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's really cool. So that's awesome. And he's like, yeah, that guy must have really been off his nut because, you know, he like drove off a cliff and this and that. And then there's the specter creeping in behind him. And just coming through a wall like a specter. And the guy says about, you know, being afraid and specter, you have good reason to be afraid. Hank, huh? who are you? And <laughs> this escalates pretty quickly, just like the first time. Now, before we get too far into this, so the, spe the, the Swamp Thing poster on the wall was a great Easter egg, right? Mm -hmm. You ready for another one that you missed? Where? Look at the newspaper Frank's reading or Hank's reading. Oh, the Daily Bugle. <laughs> Daily Bugle. So is this in the Marvel Universe? What the heck is going on here? That's great. <laughs> Aparo was clearly having some fun. Yeah, I just actually uh, recorded an episode the other day. You know, I'm not sure when everything's going to align up here, but there was uh, an issue of the Brave and the Bold where Batman jumps off a building and starts using flagpoles to flip all around. 
and makes a, a, a he's monologuing to himself and he says about how he's been doing this longer than that uh, photographer kid or something like that. Oh Refer- my gosh, that's great. Yeah, referencing Spider-Man, it's fantastic. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so here we go with our front cover uh, image and uh, how we pay off here. Like the front cover, it happens right here with uh, uh, this goofball Hank, does it not? <laughs> yes, and we, he's got the hand. First, the gun starts, like he pulls the gun on the specter, right? And then the uh, the gun starts melting. He just, uh, what does he say? I want to, you, okay, what are you doing here? What do you want? I want to sleep forever in a nice warm grave, Hank. I want everlasting peace, but that's rightfully mine. But the stench of evil men like you will not let me rest. And then he just starts melting the dude. Like the gun melts like a like a wax candle. Then his hands melt like a wax, can, wax oh. candle. Very similar to the cover. I would say the cover is a little more dramatic, uh, but still, you, you see the the melting of the hands. You see the horror and the guy, you know, is, is misery and screaming about it. Please, please don't do this to me. And in the end, he's just a melted puddle of flesh-colored wax. It's really nasty. Oh, it's disgusting. Yeah, he's just like a pile of like flesh-colored crap there all over the floor and on his chair. It's disgusting. It's really nasty. I was like, wow. And I love it. Like, yeah, 1973, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you could pick up a horror comic and you could see something, you know, sort of, you know, graphic, but you didn't see a comic like this where, you know, regular people, things were happening like this to them. I, I'm shocked this made it through the comics code because, like, the, the car going off the cliff, you didn't see the guy die. You just see a car. You know, mm-hmm. later on, what's going to happen, there's also a spot where you don't necessarily see it happen to the guy. Mm-hmm. This, you see the horror happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of surprised this one made it through. And also, it's sort of interesting, like, and this will play out a little later in some of the later Spectre stories, but like the punishment isn't tied to the crime. A lot of times later on this, and, and this maybe because this is the first one, but a lot of times the Spectre will tie the punishment to the crime. Like there's yeah. one with the Swami where he turns the Swami into crystal, like a crystal ball and shatters mm-hmm. the guy. You know, yep. here melting has nothing to do with the crime. A car off the bridge has nothing to do with the crime or the cliff. And what happens to the last guy has nothing to do with the crime. So it's a little unconnected. It's still, you still get that cathartic, like, yeah, these guys need to die. But, uh, I don't know. Something to do with fire grenades might've worked or being gunned down or I don't know. Something would have been a little more thematic, but it sure was fun to watch that guy melt. Didn't, wasn't it? Oh, it was fantastic. It was great. Creepy. Awesome. And you're like, yeah, yeah, melt them. Get them. <laughs> <laughs> We're all waiting for Fritz to get it. We all want Fritz to get it. Wasn't that his name, Fritz? Yeah. Meanwhile. Okay, okay there we go. <laughs> here's Fritz on the airplane, just like from the splash page, you know, the opening uh, page there. Uh, the cops will never figure out who did that job. And even if they do in a few hours, I'll be in sunny South America, surrounded by senioritas and living like a king. <laughs> <laughs> The dialogue, I love it. And then he's there with his pipe. And I love how they bring the Spectre onto this plane here. How about you talk about that? Oh, it's well, okay. So he's smoking his pipe, which is funny by today's standards. It's just ridiculous to think of someone smoking a pipe on a plane, right? <laughs> but so he's smoking his pipe, and the smoke just starts billowing out. And the guy's like, "What? what's, what's all this smoke coming out? And the smoke billows out of his pipe. He throws his pipe on the ground in the aisle of the plane and the smoke billows out into the specter. And this is interesting. You see the specter and he's so pissed. His eyes actually turn into, you see little skulls in his eyes. That's, <laughs> that's how, you know, the specter's really, really ticked off at you. Yeah. Yeah. And he just hovers, great. he hovers over the guy inside the plane. And uh, you know, Fritz is the only one who can see him though. And so Fritz mm-hmm. is absolutely horrified. Yeah, that's what I really love about it. He's the only one that can see the specter. So he throws his pipe on the ground. And again, he starts going ape. And the stewardess is like, what are you talking about, you nut? And I'm sure she's thinking, what is in that pipe? (laughs) (laughs) Could be, could be. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure so. But I didn't see this coming either. He grabs the stewardess and puts a gun to her head. And I'm thinking to myself, imagine if you're this poor stewardess. Not only is this guy wigging out on the plane, which is not, that's a scary thing in itself. He throws his pipe on the ground. You're thinking, is he on drugs? What is this guy up to? He's yelling at something you can't even see. And then he's not, he's going that crazy. He's willing, you know, to pull a gun out and put a gun to your head over something you can't even see. Right. And it's, it's not, it's horrible for the stewardess, but it's right on model for Fritz. Cause remember, this is the same guy oh, that yeah. got gunned down the cops. I'm sorry, the security guards. He's the one who same, same one who shot Pete. So, yeah, he doesn't care about other human lives. All he cares about is getting away with his money. So it's on model for him, and it's horrible for And, by the way, that's another thing. Being able to just whip out a gun in a plane, that's not something you would expect nowadays either. 
Yeah, hell no. That yeah, we know that's not happening for the last twenty years. But back then, I, I'm sure you could have got away with it. You know, well, I mean, this is about just... the era of DB Cooper, so yeah, they were there. You could just walk <laughs> yeah. right on a plane with just about anything back then. <laughs> yeah, for real. But so this is an interesting part here, and you alluded to it earlier. So he has the gun to the stewardess's head, and she's like, "Let me go." And uh, he's, you know, there's a guy in the background then on that bottom panel there on uh, page eleven, and he's like, "The man's obviously deranged. He's suffering from some kind of hallucination." And the specter is just please, please note he's whispering because he's got the the dotted lines around there, and yet there's still exclamation points in his balloon in the word balloon. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, yeah, right. he's whisper shouting hallucination. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the specter's just flying around like doing laps around the inside of this plane. Right, and yeah, no wonder he's jacked. Right, he's just always exercising. Mm-hmm. But then he says, he just says, "Farewell, murderer." And this next part, again, it, it's it's I like how it ends up. But like you said, it's, what about the comics code? Well, they wouldn't have had a problem with this because the scene goes dark, like the whole plane goes dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the, the, everybody's like, you know, what's going on? The lights went out, and the guy, thank God, the lights are finally, and then a guy, gasp, and a woman, eek. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the guy. He's on. The, Fritz is on the ground now. All his clothes are gone. His skin is gone. His muscles are gone. Every, he's just stripped down to a skeleton holding a gun. And he's kind, of, yeah. he's kind of sitting Indian style on the ground. Now, realistically, without any tendons and muscles, this whole skeleton should have just fell apart. <laughs> but, right. uh, it's a, you know, maybe that's exactly what happens. Maybe they see it and then it collapsed. I don't know. But uh, it, it makes for a very impressive moment where uh, the horror of it. Absolutely. Yeah, the passengers are just looking like, what the heck just happened? And like you said, it, there's the skeleton sitting there and the gun's still in his hand. And I'm thinking, hey, Spectre, why don't you take the gun with you? Because what if it just somehow would have went off from this mm. skeleton or whatever? Like a bullet going through a plane is probably not you know, going to end well. That's true. Could be. <laughs> but uh, and again, the next morning and there's a little uh, two panel wrap up here with Corrigan and the police chief and the chief's kind of, you know, getting on him like do it like you need to find these you know uh, murderers and, and robbers you know you need to catch these guys he's like chief he's like it's all right man you know we, we've got the whole city you know a net around the whole city it's gonna be okay no problem we're gonna get these guys they don't have a ghost of a chance <laughs> right 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 <laughs> love well, it the chief has got to think though because i mean from the chief's perspective the crooks appear to have escaped right mm-hmm. they appear to have gotten away so they've got to think that Corrigan is pretty incompetent as a policeman uh, mm-hmm. so uh, hopefully he'll turn that around with his career, but right now it's not looking too good for his job. Yeah. Cause I think in later issues, you know, they'll find some bodies here and there and it's like, okay, when we send Corrigan out on a case, the, the people either end up dead, mangled, maimed, or they just disappear. So uh, that probably would be like, you know, a little bit of a light bulb should go off there. <laughs> <laughs> melted, melted human wax, uh, gl- shattered glass, uh, human skeletons. Yeah. Corrigan's got a rep. Yeah, he's to me, he's a internal affairs should be looking into Jim Corrigan. <laughs> <laughs> now, th- we're sitting here poking fun because that's what people do. We're, we're here mm-hmm. to have a good time. But damn, this is a good comic book. It's, oh, it's so fantastic. good. It's so good. Yeah, just just the visuals alone are fantastic. You you will uh, love these. You know, Again, it's 12 pages, but it's 12 pages of just the visuals are fantastic. It's a really cool story. It's got all these, you know, like I said, these revenge things happening with the Spectre. It's really, really cool. Yeah, it's a 10-issue run, and I, it, folks, it just continues to grow and get better. So, it, you know, if, if you like this one, you're going to love the subsequent ones as well. Yeah, so, so I, I got to ask about you, have you ever, I'm going to step away from the comic for a second so we can mm-hmm. come back, but certainly, have you ever watched the animated short with the Spectre? <sighs> I have not. <gasps> oh, you are in for a treat. So you can find it. It was a DVD extra on one of the animated things. I don't remember. Uh, and if, if you have, it's probably on HBO Max because they have all the DC stuff nowadays. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I have it on one of the DVDs I bought. I don't remember which one. Either way, uh, it is so stinking good. It's like someone took the essence of the Fleischer Aparo run and animated it It, it's like a grindhouse film it really feels that way it clearly is designed to be the 1970s from the cars and the fashion and there's some references to like horror movies it's all it's clearly 1970s just like these books it's corrigan investigating a murder that happens there's a femme fatale in there you know people die in gruesome ways it is absolutely a visual animated successor uh, our spiritual successor of the Fleischer Apara run. It is amazing. Even my wife, my wife doesn't like any of the stuff that we like. And even she liked that. So uh, mm. I highly recommend seek it out. It, it's only like, I don't know, five, 10 minutes long, whatever, but it is so stinking good. 
Wow. Yeah, that sounds like something that I'm going to watch, love, and be like, why is this not an hour or two hours or an ongoing you know, series, please? Yeah, something like that. But yeah, I'll have to look for that. I'll have to look for the DVD of whatever, you know, film that's attached with because I don't have HBO Max. So I'll have to grab that DVD, whatever, whatever movie that is. So stinking good. Is it? It's not on, off chance that uh, JSA one, is it? Um, well, uh, we can always use the Googles to yes. find out. <laughs> <laughs> there is that mach- that Google machine thing that can figure everything out. <laughs> it's called DC Showcase The Spectre, and it appeared in Justice League Crisis on Two Earths DVD. Oh. So this goes all the way back to 2010. So this is quite a while ago. Okay, yeah, I'll have to look for that. I thought I actually had that, but if I did and I missed this somehow. All right, so now that we're past that here, what do you think? Uh, do you know the answer to... Is a snarl human? <laughs> I know the answer because I read the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would so, not have known the answer up front. Yeah, me neither. This is crazy. There was a quick little backup in here. Uh, Sheldon Mayer and Alex Toth, which, you know, hey, you can't go wrong with a uh, Toth artwork for sure. And it's a, it's like kind of a quirky, like a morale, uh, morality play. Uh, I did think it was a good swerve at the end because I didn't know what was going to happen. But yeah, it's it's not like the most awesome story I've ever read, but it, it's it's interesting and it's got cool Toth artwork, right? Yeah, I mean the Toth artwork alone is gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. He's drawing some animals, he's drawing some aliens, he's drawing people. I mean anything Toth does is is amazing. The amount of minimalism, minimalism he uses to convey what he needs to, it's astonishing. Like I've got a couple of books of uh, Zorro stuff that he did mm. that are just some of the most gorgeous stuff ever put pen to paper. So I am all in on a Toth story. This one, as you said, it's a little out there, but it, this is exactly the kind of story I would expect to see in like the back of the old like uh, sci-fi anthologies. You know? Yeah, like a Ditko Not, story. It's something like that. Yeah, or like, you know, the UFO anthology they did or I'm, mm-hmm. trying, I'm totally blind. Weird science, you know, uh, any kind of sci-fi anthology. This is exactly the kind of story that would be in there because, yeah, it's got the more it's a morality play and it's got the twist at the end. And you go, oh, OK, human beings are horrible. You know, it's so, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Artistically, it's beautiful and it made for a fun, quick story. I'm probably not going to remember it that clearly down the line other than Toth drew it. But it was, yeah, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the the, the specter is the big draw here, and that's mm-hmm. and even if this was only a twelve page comic, I'd you know want to read it and buy it and all that stuff. It, the 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 snarl mystery isn't <laughs> isn't the draw here for me, or probably ninety nine point nine percent of anyone else that's going to read this. <laughs> well, I think I did hear Warner Brothers their next big plan after the Shazam and Black Adam movies. Don't they have like a snarl trilogy they're working on? Uh, they're going to release probably. Yep, and we're going to need to release the Snyder cut of the snarl as well. <laughs> That's that's there's there's going to be a there's going to be a force to be reckoned with if they don't release the cut of the snarl. That's fair. (laughs) I think I heard that, too. I read it on Twitter. Mm, Absolutely. So. All right, my friend. Well, how about we uh, transition quickly here uh, to say what is going on with you now? If for those of you that don't know, uh, Shag has been a, you know, one of the pillars at the Fire and Water Network. But recently, as in the last few months, you have started up another show. Uh, where you are talking about a lot of different geeky things. So why don't you talk about that? Sure. So, uh, you know, we founded the network back in 2016, the Firewater Podcast Network, and we brought together a lot of folks. And for the most part, since then, I've been focusing primarily on my Justice League International Bohaha show. But I'm in the last couple years of that. And after it's by the time it's done, it's going to be about eight years long, that show. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And I knew I had to do something afterwards, right? And I'm not going to give up my microphone. Uh, they can pry my microphone from my cold, dead hands. And I had to figure <laughs> out what I wanted to do. And I said, you know what? I, I don't want to be locked into one topic. I want to change the topic and talk about whatever passion I've got going, whatever gives me joy. So I started a show called Once Upon a Geek. And it's a handle I've used for years, and I finally turned it into a podcast. And the idea is every episode or every few episodes, I'm going to talk about some new topic that just makes me happy. So I did like one episode where I talked to my family about what it was like growing up geeky. I did several episodes on V, the, the 80s cult classic. Uh, I just did an episode on Doctor Who. I've got some coming up on Alpha Flight and other growing up geeky stuff and a lot of different topics I'm going to be tackling over the coming months. And uh, it's just an opportunity for me to find my passion and follow whatever I'm interested in at that moment. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, and if people ever say to me, oh, do you have any podcast recommendations? The way I recommend stuff is if I listen to a podcast and even if the subject isn't something I'm heavily into, but I had a good time listening to it, 
that's what I recommend to people. And Aww. this, yeah, and this show is definitely it because your coverage of V was fantastic. Like I remember watching it when I was a kid, and I thought it was cool. I haven't revisited it in you know that many years since it originally aired, but like you know some of the 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 toys and the other ephemera, you know, I have absolutely sorry to say this, Shag, I have absolutely no interest in. Right. But no. listening to you talk about it with your guests was great. It was so much <laughs> fun. I had a blast. I appreciate that. I went way, 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 way too deep on V. I, I know <laughs> I did, but I, I guys, the episode, I, even I don't, I like, I think the context's amazing, but I don't want to throw anyone in that deep end. They're like three hours long. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, but lots of guests, like 10 guests, an episode where we just talk about all kinds of different minutiae on V. And it, that's, that's the point is to find something we love and for the listener to feel that excitement and that passion and the joy just pouring through the earbuds. That's the plan. And it, it worked. So this sounds like it works. So I'm thank you so much for the kind words. I really appreciate that. Yeah, everything was good so far, too. I loved when you had your family on, too. That was a blast, too. And then uh, the V was great stuff. And then I think as of this recording, you had your Doctor Who episode come out as well. Yeah, and a lot of the topics aren't going to be for everybody. I know that. Like, I know it's not – I don't expect this to be the kind of show that people are going to listen to every episode. They're like, you know, Doctor Who, no thanks, next, and that's fine. You know, sooner mm -hmm. or later, I'll have a topic they care about, and, you know. The the point of podcasting, as far as I, I see it, is it's not about building the listenership and, and or, or getting the biggest number of downloads. I mean, it's, I want to build a community, but I don't care about the – it's it's did I have fun talking to somebody? You know, mm -hmm. it was it fun – and if it was fun, like you said, then it probably would be fun for someone to listen to. Yeah, that's that's exactly it, too. It's it's, it's we, all about, hey, let's have some fun talking about something we uh, share a mutual joy for. I mean, that's a lot of what you pull through with your JSA story, you know, podcast as well. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely, man. So, yeah, that was awesome. So thanks for being on, dude. I really appreciate this. This was a blast. I love the Spectre. love this run. And, you know, like we said, anybody that uh, hasn't read it, get out there and get it one way or the other. You can still get singles here and there. The Wrath of the Spectre single reprints, the trade, the showcase. There's many ways. It, like I said, half of it's even on the DC Infinite app, you know, and this first issue is. So if you want to just think, oh, I'll, I have the app. I want to just check out this first issue to see if it's for me. Get on there and check it out. Is, is the Snurl part on the on the app as well? I don't believe so. I think it's just oh. the Spectre stories. <laughs> Man, <laughs> it, it's, it's never going to work. Nobody's ever going to buy it now. Poor Snarl. Mm, so thank you so much for having me on the show. This has been an absolute blast. It's one of my favorite, favorite runs of comic books. They're so enjoyable. And I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. And I'm so glad we finally got a chance to podcast together. Yeah, man, because I've been listening to you for, you know, a few years here now, loving your JLI. And oh, when you and Rob do who's who, that is absolutely like my favorite thing you guys have done. I love that show. You're far too kind. You're far too kind. We who's who is a, a a huge, huge passion for us. I mean, it's kind of what started the network, really, uh, with, with with who's who, because that's where we started meeting everyone and, and started bringing it all together. So, yeah, we absolutely love it as well. Awesome. So, yeah, everybody get out there, check out Fire and Water and especially uh, Once Upon a Geek. You need to listen to that show. It's it's definitely a, a must listen on the uh, the podcast realm out there. So once again, thank you, Shag. I appreciate you being on, my friend. Thank you very, very much. All right, I'm going to jump out here quick and be right back after a short break. All right, gang, here's what we do. Shaggy, you get the Spectre to chase you. Ch -ch chase me? Right. He'll follow you along that beam, trip over the nylon line, causing that plastic bucket of quick-drying cement to fall on him. Wow, that ought to slow him up. Yeah, I like freeze him in his tracks. What do we do, Fred? <laughs> Soinks, it's him! And he's on the wrong beam! The plan won't work! <laughs> Shaggy, try to get him to run under the pail! Okay! <laughs> oh, he didn't fall for it, Scoob! <laughs> he's after Fred and the girls! Hold it! <laughs> Oh, no! They're trapped! We gotta do something, Scooby! The quick-drawing cement! Good thinking, Scoob! We'll dump it onto the Spectre ourselves! Hurry, Scoob! Step on it! He stepped on it all right! Whoa! So, 
You nosy kid set a trap for me, huh? And now I have you trapped! <laughs> that's going to wrap up this episode once again i want to thank shag for being on the show super nice guy and i know he's super busy as well so i'm glad he made the time uh, you know it took a little while for us to you know get our schedules matched up but really thankful for him to come on really good guy check out his stuff you know uh definitely once upon a geek for sure it's it's a really really good show celebrating all different kinds of uh, the geek culture there with friends and family alike so definitely tune in for that one all right take care everybody talk to you next time Thank you.